what makes One Track Mind a little different is how tied in we are. We're not just writing a check and wishing a project good luck. We are bringing all the partners together and making the connections from the landowners to the builders, to the design, to conservation corps. So again, you know, I go back to the importance of relationships, right? Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. Episode 132 features Tracy Paradise of the One Track Mind Foundation. Tracy has taken it upon herself to build a foundation with the goal of getting more trails built for mountain biking around the United States. Tracy provides a lot of insight about why she embarked on this journey of creating a nonprofit and building relationships along the way. Cooley Creative is the title sponsor for this episode. They design and build custom websites as well as help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips, and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head on over to www.dojustsendit.com. Yes, that's right, www.dojustsendit will get you to the Cooley Creative website, so check it out. A huge thank you goes out to the multiple people who have placed orders for Kettle Mountain Apparel and Trail One components. This support definitely does not go unnoticed. I hope you are all enjoying the products that have been ordered. When you use the links found under the affiliate section at the Trail Effect website, a portion of the proceeds will help fund the Trail Effect podcast. Bonus, use the code TRAILPOD when checking out for a 20% discount on all Kettle Mountain Apparel and Trail One components. 230 USA has come on board as an affiliate for the Trail Effect podcast also. If you are familiar with rooftop tents and overlanding, 230 likely has been on your radar. Check out their affiliate links on the Trail Effect podcast website and learn about the well thought out designs that 230 has to offer. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Tracy Paradise. She is a co-founder, president, and chief executive officer of the One Track Mind Foundation, which is based out of the greater Minneapolis area in Minnesota. How's it going today, Tracy? Great. Thanks. So we're recording this, and you're not actually in Minnesota. You're in Utah right now, experiencing the full effect of a One Track Mind on some single track. I know. The sun's out. It's warm. Much nicer already. <laughs> Suddenly, this week, weather turned around for our region as well. So hopefully spring is here for good now. I know. I think it, it might be. It's looking good. We're getting a lot of rain right now in Minnesota. So I'm happy to be here in the sun. Well, let's get into your backstory and kind of the path that led you into finding a mountain bike specifically or riding a mountain bike. Well, you know, I kind of stumbled across the mountain bike scene in college in Vermont. I have always, you know, loved being on a bike since I was a kid. And in college, it was my commute mechanism and form of transportation. And then a few buddies were like, oh, let's go ride some trail. And I can't even think of the area that we were in. You know, I was going to school in Burlington, Vermont, and we went to this trail 
And, you know, we're on 26ers and I don't think I would ever look to be back on a 26 inch wheel again. And I just, you know, started loving it and did quite a bit of riding through college, kind of got away from it after a little while, moved to the seacoast, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and got into road riding and did, you know, that for a while is just easier instead of driving to different places to ride for mountain biking and then got back into it again. And I just love it. I, I love it. What brought you to Minnesota then? Because obviously you spent, it sounds like the majority of your least younger life out on the East Coast. Yeah. So Minnesota, I took a job actually initially working with a woman battling breast cancer. I was her, her husband traveled a ton. She was my age and had been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And he wanted her to get super healthy pre and post surgery. So I entered her life and nutrition training. I had a training um, business back east. And um, my sister knew this guy. He knew I was in the wellness field, asked if I had any interest. I was like, sure. Thought I would only be in Minnesota for six months. That was in 09. Here I am still. Yeah. And you're, you're definitely here because you have an incredible foundation here. And one of the things I found on the One Track Mind website through your blog is life is once. Yeah. Which plays into the whole, you know, single track, one track mind thing. You want to expand on that? Yeah. You know, I just think this, this place, this, this, this thing called life is so amazing and so precious. Right. And you just have to love it, treat it with respect and live it. And it's, you've got one shot at it. And I've just always lived it and have always just loved life. And oh, this is, I mean, I could go into a deep conversation on this and I, I will refrain from that, but I just feel that this place called, called the world and living life is amazing. And it's once you've got one shot at it. It is. And the One Track Mind Foundation is something that really it captured my attention, I don't know, a year or two ago. And this is probably the most interesting part to me about it, which is you're not location-based. Like you're, you're based out of the greater Minneapolis area, but you have projects that have truly been around the country. Mm-hmm. You know, So why did you decide to start the foundation, A, and then once you did, why did you not make it focused on a specific location? Because I think that's super unique and I think that's personally, it's what makes it really, really strong. Hmm. You know, One Track Mind has evolved and I've learned a ton since our first project. You know, John Don Hockle, dear close friend, approached me and was like, let's start a foundation. We need to leave the world a better place. And John loves biking and he had just started getting into mountain biking and he has an amazing place in McCall, Idaho. And he said, there's trails here. Let's make them better. I said, well, I, I really don't know anything about trail, trail building or trail development. Uh, you will figure it out. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I take that challenge. 
And that's probably my special gift is my special gift is I get shit done. I figure it out. I get shit done. And I love that. You know, I'm not someone that waits for it to just take place. And the opportunity has been amazing. And, you know, initially that was McCall was the first project and there's great trail there and we were going to make it better. Um, the key thing for, for one track mine is the offering and our tie to the youth and bringing in youth on every single project. And, you know, so partnering with conservation corps to get kids on site, we didn't want to have kids being able to have access to phones and really allowing kids to, you know, obviously make a little money, but also the amount of education you can get from spending a summer with a conservation corps team in a place like McCall or even in Minneapolis is amazing. Leadership skills, teamwork, working on a project and seeing, you know, the start to finish. I love it. That's, that is a very, very important piece for me. So that was a big thing, you know, and we continue to do that in McCall. McCall was a, a great project to start off with and learn. And it's a beautiful area. And the, the riding there is great. What were some of the things you learned about the trail building side of things since you, you stated you didn't know anything about trail building? And I don't know, there's, there's a lot to learn and there's so many different avenues. It's from, you know, from the volunteer side of things all the way to the professional built side of things. And you've dealt with all of it. Like, what were some things that stuck out about, you know, kind of getting that crash course and learning about getting trails built? You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm a relationship person and, you know, working with some of the trail builders we've worked with, like Pathfinder, Dirt Candy, Progressive Designs, they've all been amazing. And just not that they were, they handheld for me, but I learn and sponge off of them all the time. And for me, it's about relationships and building the relationship and the learning process as I go has been amazing. And just the passion that everyone has for the trail building and the trails. But for me, I think the biggest thing is just the building of, of the relationships and the importance of that. That would be, I would say, the biggest thing that I've learned and, and continue to build off of. One of the projects you have coming up to open, it's, I think it's primarily built, is the Paradise Playground at Monarch Trails. It's on the west side of the greater Minneapolis-St. Paul area, if I'm not mistaken. How is that project for you? Because that, from what I, we've had Adam Buck on the show and this, the Pathfinder playground is kind of one of his, is his brainchild in terms of how he can put his spin on, on bike skills development and mountain biking. How do you think that project is going to impact that area? Cause from what I've not been there, but from what I've been told, it's, it was pretty cross country heavy. And now it's got the full gamut of skill development, including in keeping the cross country the way it is. So they didn't change what was there. Monarch is my baby. I. You know, that project was close to my location. So working on Monarch, you know, out of the gates has just been awesome for me from, you know, figuring out where I could 
put trail in that area? Could I build it off of, or, you know, could I make mammoth better? Well, that's a lot of different pieces of private property. And, you know, then I started thinking, well, Carver, Carver needs trail. Three Rivers has mountain bike trail everywhere, you know, at all their locations. Why don't they have it here? Oh, I need to meet the people at Three Rivers. So, I mean, that, that process was a great process. And every single person from the mayor of Victoria connecting me to Three Rivers has just been awesome. And that partnership for me is, is great. I love Luke and Jay at Three Rivers. They've all been great to work with, but Monarch is my baby. And, you know, the initial first 10 miles, yes, cross country, you know, something for everyone still, but again, is it, was it different than anything we had in the cities? Not really. I mean, location, it spread people out more, super fun berms, but there wasn't anything really different than if you were going to go ride Theo. Or if you were going to go ride Elm Creek, it was that fast flow, right? So Adam Buck has been awesome and has really put into the Paradise area at Monarch some super fun, cool features. And while maybe some riders are like, ah, features, you know, do we need features? I mean, I just, that is going to be the progression. And I just think when you think about when, you and I were riding when I was in college, right? I wasn't riding when I was in high school. I was riding when I was in college, right? So I've already lost 10 years, seven years, right? Kids are riding at such a young age now. What they're going to be expected to be riding now is what Adam Buck is building, you know? And, and that's going to change in probably five years or less. So what Monarch offers to that whole metro area is something that none of the other trails have in that area, which is exciting. Yeah, I just did an interview before this one this morning with, I believe, one of your former co-workers even. Ah, who's that? Dustin Schultz. Ah, Schultz. Yeah, I know him. So I've had Dustin on the show. That'll This will be his third appearance on this on this podcast, actually. And... What he's doing with dirt peddlers specifically is 12 to 17 year old youth focusing more on gravity. He's eagerly waiting for that to open up because that'll help his program because that's exactly the stuff that they're looking for. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you brought his name up because I owe him a call. So thanks for reminding me. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We grew up not too far from each other, but we didn't. We didn't know each other until he randomly reached out about being on the podcast a year or so ago, because he grew up about 30 minutes from me. And, but I think it, you're right. When I started mountain biking and when you started mountain biking, it was a whole different world. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of cross country out there, you know, especially in the NICA side of things or the high school and middle school leagues. But you have things like YouTube and kids see what's, they, they see what's <laughs> on YouTube and they want to do it. Right. right. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. You know, nothing was machine built when we were riding. Yeah. You know, so then, you know, machine. And I think, you know, even when I, when we first started in McCall, McCall was like, no machines, right? We don't want any machines. And the trail builders were like, well, we're, we need to bring machines in, you know, like that was, that was a big deal. That was 2018, 2023. 
everyone's using machines. No one's even questioning the machines. And now, now it's the features, right? Yeah. In some pockets, you see people saying we need to go back from non-machine built though still. <laughs> no, I agree. You know, in, in a project we have um, that we haven't announced yet, another project that's coming up, you and I have chatted about. But one of the things we've talked about is, you know, we, again, want to have it so that it's, you know, it's going to be a destination, a true destination, right? And something for everyone. And we're going to have some hand-built trails, you know, and even the built trails, some of the trail builders are like, hand-built? I don't know if I want to do hand-built trails. But I mean, you, you got to do that too, you know, you got to bring it to the roots still. And I think that's important. But, you know, I used to ride with Dustin and Brent Porter. We called ourselves, I think, the three, three wolves or lone wolves or something. But I mean, I'd ride with those guys every single weekend and I'd say, I, you know, to Dustin and Porter that I got my, some of my skills from them because they were great to ride behind. One of the things with machine built, and this is another avenue I've been going down as frequently as possible on this show is the machine allows adaptive riders to access because of the, I mean, just inherently because of the width of the tracks on a machine, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think there's a misconception out there with like, well, if we're going to open this up, if this is going to be an adaptive trail, it needs to be easier. And that's totally not the case. Like it really just needs to fit a certain width so you can fit an adaptive bike on these trails. And that's an area that is expanding a lot. And so it's machines have done that. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even on purpose. It was really on accident. Yeah. You know, that was something when designing and building Monarch, we discussed and was important, very important. I will say, in talking to some trail builders recently, micro excavators, smaller than mini excavators, uh, apparently they're getting, they're able to build some, what would feel like hand-built trail with a machine so they can kind of get the production rate out there, but still keep that, that old school, narrow flavor. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I, I bet they sell like mad. <laughs> yeah, they... <laughs> I mean, I know a certain company that has, has a handful right now. And well, even if you go to Bentonville, like this was hand built, but they have a whole area called hand cut hollow. And that's the whole point of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that's a great trail. I think that's one of the best trails there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and there's a lot of other regular, you know, I guess you could say machine built flow and jump lines there. And they did need to change it up because. I mean, Bentonville is an anomaly, right? They, got, they have everything in terms of diversity of trail, but you don't want to hit the same thing everywhere. Right. Exactly. One of the other places you've built, I believe, is Breckenridge. Why Breckenridge? So I love Breck. I love the riding in Breck. And um, the town of Breck, I think, is just Tony. There is a great person to work with. Rocky Mountain Youth. Corpse has been awesome to work with and we bring kids in there. You know, we've brought kids in there the last two years um, and made some connector trails with the kids. And it's just, I love the riding there. I'm passionate about that area and the town. The town has figured out, I feel like, how important or the town knows how important the trails are and the trail building for the economics. You know, so they have 
a full-time team on, on staff. And I, I think that's amazing. And one of the projects closer to home for you is, uh, up on the North shore called Split Rock Wilds. Yeah. That is a very unique build. I love that trail. That's a great trail. And Dave Sismas is an awesome guy. That's a super fun trail. That's a trail when you get out of the car, you start riding and you're like, oh my God, I got to get my legs together. <laughs> um, that's a great trail. And it's, you know, again, that's like, there's nothing like that trail in Duluth, right? So you ride Duluth and then you drive an hour, hour and a half and you ride two harbors and or split rock wild and it's totally different yes there's a lot of rock and there's some flow but there's a lot of rock and just some cool features built with rock it's amazing yeah and then just north of there you have the jackpot trail which is a whole <laughs> other trail experience i don't know i don't i don't know if uh, one track mine was involved with that but it's still it adds to the experience that you can get on that north shore of lake superior correct yeah, it, it is. I've heard it's amazing. I have actually not been to that trail. We were not involved in that trail, but I've heard lots of great, great things on that trail. I do need to check that trail out. Yeah, you and me both. I have not been to it as well, but I have a good friend of mine that lives in the Cuyuna area and travels quite a bit. And he's he compares it to anything, any of the best stuff he's ridden out west. He thinks jackpots, one of those kind of must hit trails. So I think... We both have to go up there and ride it because, we must hit it. <laughs> I mean, look at Minnesota as a state, especially Minneapolis North, you know, you get up into the iron ranges, there's just been so much development with mountain biking. It's like, how, how do you pick where to go? You know, I think about that a lot. You know, there's a lot of great trail in a lot of great states and you wouldn't think Minnesota, I mean, we don't have mountains, but the trails in Minnesota are really great. And, you know, for me, when I think about building new trail, right, the importance of location, right? And that's something that I've learned over the last few years is proximity, right? One, you build it and people will come. They should come. But two, proximity of, you know, airports, communities to make it so people actually can come. You know, I travel for biking, but when I land, I don't want to drive two or three hours to, to bike. I want to land, maybe drive an hour and hopefully be on the trail. So Minnesota, one of the great things about Minnesota is we have trail in lots of great places and it's all within an hour and a half to, you know, depending on if you're going to do a straight shot from the cities and do Duluth, it's a two and a half hour drive. Hayward is two and a half hours. Then you've got everything in the cities. You've got Cuyuna, that's an hour and a half. But if you're going to stay in Duluth for a long weekend, you can stay in Duluth, ride Duluth, take a drive an hour and a half, be in Hayward and Cable, ride all day, go back to Duluth, ride two harbors, Split Rock Wild. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and you can even go further west and north. Well, not really further, but I think only like another hour and a half or an hour and a half total is you can get to Giants Ridge. Yeah. And then head over into, into that area. Right. So that's very desirable when I think about for, for riding. I think that's very desirable. 
And then figuring out how can you maybe lump something in on your way to Hayward, which is maybe a little hint for something we have coming. <laughs> maybe. But yeah, maybe. People look at a map. You can figure yeah. maybe figure it out. We're gonna leave it right at that though. <laughs> but I just think there's a there's a lot of trail here. No mountains, but you can get six thousand feet of climbing in Duluth if you do the whole traverse. That's pretty good. Yeah, you can definitely uh well, and that's, you know, I've, it's a, it's kind of a misnomer with living in the upper Midwest. Obviously, you know, you came from the East coast and you're still here. I know. I can't believe it. I know. I think my friends can't believe it either. <laughs> Have you been back to Vermont since you, you know, since leaving that area? I um, go back every, probably every summer I go back and the kingdom trails in Vermont are just awesome. Yeah, we've been able to feature Kingdom Trails on, I think I've had at least, I've had four Kingdom Trails-based shows, if I remember correctly. But Vermont as a, as a state is huge. You know, I've had, I just had Nick Bennett, who is the executive director of the Vermont Mountain Bike Association, you know, a really high-functioning statewide trail organization. And what they are doing out there is both intentional and good. You know, they're really getting into the planning side of things and design and purposely making really awesome mountain bike communities. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really important. The communities, right? What you're bringing to a community. Speaking of communities, when you're looking to fund a project, how how much weight do you put into, and obviously this is a totally case-by-case scenario, but how much weight do you put into the proximity of, you know, being able to ride to ride? You know, you go to a place like, I mean, there's places you can ride to ride in Minneapolis. Obviously, Bentonville's a, you can park your, your vehicle or however you got there and not hop in another vehicle until you have to leave. Okay. You know, how much weight do you put on that when it comes to potentially funding a future project? Right. You know, I feel like it, it's very important. And I do put a lot of weight into that now. And that's, you know, again, learning as I've gone, the importance of, to add to the community and build to a community, right? And the economics of an area. Economics is important. And mountain biking brings really great economics to an area. So from a, you know, I just think from a a growth and business standpoint too, the business side of me really, really likes that piece too. And then as a rider, I love that piece. It adds so much to the quality of life to a community and Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a conversation that goes by in the world today where people aren't talking about attraction or retention of, of employees, you know, to certain areas. Right. Right. You know, you brought up funding, you know, what, what does one track mind when they're funding a project? I want to elaborate on that a little bit if I can, you know, I think a lot of foundations fund your approach and you fund a project, right? or you're funding for a purpose. And I think what makes One Track Mind a little different is how tied in we are. We're not just writing a check and wishing a project good luck. We are bringing all the partners together and making the connections and with the from the landowners to the builders, to the design, to conservation corps, So again, you know, I go back to the importance of relationships, right? And one track mind is, 
is involved with with all of it. And I feel like we're kind of the glue that's bringing everyone together on a project. And for me, that's really important. And I think primarily because one, I love mountain biking. I love seeing a project from start to finish. I love the relationships and I love the involvement that we have. I don't feel good. And I trying to think, I don't think I have just written a check and not been involved in the the day-to-day of a project. That that piece is very important to me. With that, you know, you, you go to the One Track Mind website and you have all those different partnerships on there, logos for them. And it it's the whole it's the whole spectrum. It's from the professional trailbuilders to the youth corps to the local volunteer organizations. You know, and that's that's another thing that really caught my attention with with this foundation that and I think it's incredible that another this goes back to not being location specific. You know, I've always wondered, I've, I've thought, I mean, I've thought myself, like, how do, I st- how do I start a trail foundation that is truly a foundation, not specific to an organization, but specific to what we love to do, which is mountain biking, what, no matter mm-hmm. where that is. Right. Yeah, I know. With that, do you have... I don't, I mean, we've, we've talked about your projects quite a bit and I hate to have people pick favorites, but is there a project so far that maybe sticks out as being one of the most rewarding ones that you've done? I mean, I have to say it's my baby, right? Monarch. I love, I mean, I love all all the aspects of Monarch in a sense of how it was born essentially and where it's, where it's at and where it's going. It's hard to say, right? I can't pick a favorite. I can't have a favorite, I guess. Like Monarch, Split Rock Wild, you know, our project in McCall is beautiful. I'm lucky to say that we have really beautiful projects. And I feel I feel really proud of that. And all the people that are involved in all the projects are fantastic people. And that's, I think, for me, is what has made all the projects just amazing for me and, and fulfilling is, is the people that are all involved. Everyone's passionate. I'm always like, wow, this person is so passionate about this. I love it. And then I talk to someone else and I'm like, wow, this person's even more passionate. Like, it's just, it's, it's an amazing community. Really is. I couldn't be more excited to be involved in it. It is kind of crazy how mountain biking is that way and people that are in mountain biking, regardless of it's, if it's the trail building side of things or just doing it because it's the activity you love to do, you know, or maybe you're a youth coach or whatever, whatever avenue you're in, how mountain biking seems, and it brings, it's a, it brings people together that you would never think about, you know, being brought together in any other way, right? People from different backgrounds, you name it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of levels the field there too. Exactly. And you know, when I think about the kids, when I go and meet the kids on the projects and, you know, half the kids don't even ride, but maybe they're going to start riding. You know, this could be their entry into it. You know, they're building the trails. And I love that. I think hopefully it's opening their eyes to wanting to become a mountain biker. Hopefully it's opening their eyes to being a a future leader. Um, There's so much great out of the youth being involved. And I love, honestly, that they camp out. They 
all cook together and it's all very team-based. What is it for you? I know for me, mountain biking is a, is a way to unplug and kind of, uh, Mm. you kind of, you get, you get to shut down the noise and it just became glaringly important or glaringly obvious to me on a recent trip that I had that I ride my trails where I live in lacrosse too frequently because I've, I determined that I can't shut the noise off sometimes when I'm riding my local trails, because I know where every little root rock, like I know every corner. I mean, obviously there's some things that change, you know, sticks fall on the trails or whatever, but for the most part, and then when I was riding out in Colorado a handful of weeks ago at in Grand Junction, like I was actually able to really just get forced to focus on new trail. Yeah. And I hadn't had that experience in actually quite a while. Mm-hmm. And I missed it. Yeah, I think that's important, right? Anyone that knows me knows I ride with music. I love music, right? So I'm, a, I'm the one in the group and I'm singing and I sound terrible. I know it because everyone tells me. But I love it. I love riding with music. I can't stand listening to my heart or my heavy breathing to me. I'm like, that is just... That will make me go slow if I have to listen to myself heavy breathing. But for me, life is stressful, right? I mean, day-to-day life can be pretty stressful depending on what, what you're doing for work or what's due or deadlines or maybe there's personal stuff going on in your day-to-day, family, whatever it is. We all have added noise, right? And for me, you have to be in in the moment when you're riding. And listening to music is my happy place. I'm in the moment, riding trail, and you got to pay attention. The minute I stop paying attention, you know, I'm all over the place. And I just, I love how it does take the the extra noise away. And everything's just manageable after that. Yeah, definitely. It forces you to be present. It was funny. A handful of years ago, I was, I was seeing a therapist and he kept telling me, he's like, you gotta, you gotta get present. And I'm like, I don't even know how to get present. Like, what does that mean? Like, I'm either living in the past or I'm predicting the future, which I think most people are. Right. right. And I was still an avid mountain biker. Cause I've been mountain biking since the, the early to mid nineties. And it really is, it forces you to be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny, you know, my father passed away a couple of years ago, which was really hard on me. It was really out of the blue. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible experience. And the biking for me is what really helped me, you know? And I I would cry hard on my bike. Um, but I still found enjoyment when I was on my bike. It got you through the next day and haven't experienced a terrible, terrible experience of my dad passing and it being awful. Trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. Are you supposed to live in the present? Are you supposed to plan for the future? Because clearly someone else is, is in charge, right? So have trying to figure out that balance and just enjoy everything too. It's a, it's, yeah. Life is once, right? It's, it's figuring it out. Yes, for sure. It is. I mean, it's, yeah. Looking ahead, 2023 and beyond, what does One Track Mind 
what is the foundation up to? You have you have the Pathfinder playground opening up. Yeah. You just had a press release in the last seven days, I believe, of one yeah. track mind getting involved with Telmark Village in the Berkey Foundation and Trek Trails up there in Cable, Wisconsin. Right. You know, how do you see that going forward and and what other things do you have that you that you can talk about? Because there's obviously some other stuff in the works, but you know, stuff that's been, you know, been open to the public to see now. So I'm just gonna tell it. <laughs> you don't have to. We can you can wait till a press release. Well, I will say this. We're super stoked about the partnership with Track and Berkey for the Telemark location. That is gonna be just Super, super cool. Again, community. Like I totally think community, right? And what it will do for that community. There's, it's just going to be riding for everyone. It's, you know, from different activities you can do in the winter there to the different activities you'll have for the summer. The bike shop that will be there, you know, and play a coffee shop, beers. I mean, the biking all levels and then that area already has great biking but this will definitely be a destination location for people you know dog friendly having your dog there so i can just see this this area being a place where people go and hang out all day and whether it's to ride the skills area or to log some miles and then hang out afterwards that project is going to be pretty fun um, and, you know, our, our project that we haven't announced yet that I'll say is going to be in Timberland Hills. Timberland Hills has been approved for 25 miles of trail. This is in Cumberland. Dirt Candy and Pathfinder are going to be on this project. And this project is going to be, again, super great proximity for driving up to Hayward is great distance. You know, you can ride on your way to Hayward and continue to Hayward. You can stay in Cumberland. You can ride from Hayward and hit Timberland Hills. Both projects are going to, you know, are slated to be a three to four year project. So we're going to be focused on these two projects. We'll have Wisconsin Conservation Corps involved um, in both projects. I'm super excited about those, those two projects. Those are our big focus focus projects for the next couple of years. We'll have other stuff on top of that, but that's what I, what I see as a major focus. Yeah. And the Wisconsin Conservation Corps actually is based out of La Crosse. Yeah. I've done, I've done stuff with their, you know, with, with the executive director and, and one of the former staff members of Wisconsin Conservation Corps. And they do a lot of stuff in our local community here too, as well as traveling around the state and around the upper Midwest. Yeah. I have a, I had a call with Eric recently, and when he said he was in lacrosse, I said, oh, do you know Joshua? <laughs> he doesn't, but Matt Bratner, the uh, executive director, does. We've, we actually did a trail building course together back in 2012, I want to say. It's a while oh, ago cool. now. So, and then it's Willie, Willie Bittner, who used to work for uh, WizCore, you know, is another trail builder based out of lacrosse. And he's also, he's also spent a lot of time working out east with uh, Student Conservation Corps you know, which is a huge conservation core nationwide. Yeah. The trek trails at Telmark Village, that's going to be a good one. It's, it's funny how this is kind of going briefly full circle that it was a handful of months ago that I was 
doing this ver- an interview with with Joe Vadabancour about the truck trails, and that's how we connected because he's like, and I think I think Tracy Paradise with One Track Mind Foundation is is going to be getting involved with this as well. And I'm like, well, could you get me in touch with her because I really want to highlight their foundation on this podcast and. And then, you know, fast forward, this will be out after this happens, but next week, that's where I'm going to work. Everyone is intertwined somehow, huh? It's a small world. Yeah. And I would, and when we, when we first talked back in March, when we kind of did the pre, pre talk, me transferring jobs wasn't even on my radar. It was something I wanted to do and something I was trying to figure out a way to do, but it was a much, well, it was initially going to be a much longer plan than what happened. <laughs> I was on track to retire from DOT in 10 years at 55. And then I was going to go into this. And then next thing you know, two months later, I'm, well, I've got, I left my last day at DOT was last Friday. So I'm going to go flag trail with the crew, for, with a couple guys from Rock Solid and they'll get building here yet this spring. Well, thank you for that. Looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. It's, it's. Yeah. That's an area that, you know, that the Telmark, it used to be, you know, used to be called Telmark Lodge. I mean, that was a huge, back in the seventies. And I look at mountain biking and I've, I'm, st- I'm drawing this comparison a lot now in this podcast, but I look at mountain biking as being where skiing was an alpine sports where specifically back in the sixties and seventies mm. for all practical purposes, skiing, at least at resorts kind of started becoming a thing in the thirties, forties and fifties. But, it, you know, then in the 60s and 70s, it really kind of took off. And that's when you saw these, especially in the East Coast, where you're from, like there's an enormous amount of small mom and pop local ski hills. And if you right. look at the trajectory of mountain biking, I think I got that word pronounced right. You did. It's kind of the same thing. Like we're about 40 years old. For, I mean, for all practical purposes, mountain biking, you know, it's been around for around 40 years, give or take a handful of years. And I think now we're just trying to get into our stride as an activity, right? I agree. And I think I really see that more and more because as soon as you are talking with a, a mayor or people in a town for building trail, I mean, people are like, they get it. They know what it's going to do for their area. And instead of maybe making it challenging, it's, very welcoming. Yeah. Was there mountain biking at all in Victoria before you proposed that, that project? Uh, no, there, I mean, there's mammoth. Have you ridden mammoth? I have mammoth not. Is like, mammoth isn't like, it's not posted and it's literally like eight different parcels of land that has a bunch of trail on it. And you can, there's a gravel path that you can walk and there's just like a bunch of trail off of the, off of the gravel path. But, you know, when, and that is considered Chanhassen, it's off of 41 and it's fun trail. I mean, it's, it's, it's good riding, but no, there wasn't anything else in that area other than, you know, that's why I was like, I could try and see if I could make mammoth better, you know, but I was like, wow, that's, that would be, that would be challenging eight different pieces of land. And I wanted to get going now. (laughs) <laughs> and then I started just thinking about Carver Park and I'm like why don't they have trail there well let's get trail there and while it took 
I'd say six months for approval. It went, I think, fairly fast. And it helped a lot that, you know, a few of the people at Three Rivers and on the board also bike. So they were like, yes, let's do this. We got to get this done. And it was great. I mean, that team is great to work with. Three Rivers put a whole team of people on it from their from their staff and at the park. And it was great. Before we wrap this up, I, I like to ask this question to everybody. When are you going to travel, which you're, at, which you're doing right now? Yeah. You, you have traveled, you're at your destination. But when you're looking to travel to a, a community to go mountain biking, what are some of the things that you really, that kind of some must-have things for a mountain bike community to have when you look at traveling there? Besides trails, that's the obvious one. I think a location has to have, you know, desire has to be desirable for people, whether it's the scenery, whether it's knowing friends in the area, whether it's a ritual location that you go to every year. But if, and it's, I mean, it's probably different for everyone, right? But it has to be desirable to that individual. And, um, you know, the Moab, for example, is desirable because it's so challenging for riding and you're, you're saying to take the riding out of it. But, you know, the friends I have here or why I come as well. Are there great restaurants? There's okay restaurants here. But, I mean, yes, it's nice to be able to go out to eat and make it simple. A place to stay makes it simple. And then being able to ride right from where you're staying makes it even more simple. And that's all very desirable. Those are all the things I look for, being able to ride a ride. And although I do, I, I, I throw this in there a lot. I do look for wood-fired pizza. Oh, wood-fired pizza. Good. And, at, and at, you, when you said restaurants, that just reminded me that I'm going to be able to get some wood-fired pizza next week while I'm in cable. Oh, yeah, you will. Because I can't do that where I live. It's crazy that I live in a community as big of, I mean, it's, La Crosse isn't huge, but the county is over 100,000 people. We don't have well, a, Josh, we don't have a wood fire don't pizza you, place here. You got to start up a new business. Oh, I've been trying to plant that seed with a lot of other people that are in the restaurant industry. I personally don't want to get into the restaurant industry. That would be a hard industry. But I think it's, uh, yeah, having, having all the things that you said is super important. And, and the ride to ride part is, it, it makes it easier. When I was in Grand Junction, I was able to stay with a husband and wife who live I don't know, maybe three quarters of a mile from the main trailhead for lunch loops in Grand Junction. Right. And that was, that was incredible. You could just, it was, you could just, I mean, paddle over there at any, any given time. So I was doing multiple rides a day because you could. Right. Yeah, totally. You know, the other thing too is, right, you, you have trails, your local trails that you can ride, right? Whether there's rocks, no rocks, roots, no roots. I feel like the other thing I look for is just totally different riding than what I'm used to. Right. And that just makes you a better rider. Yeah. And it keeps you present. Keeps you present. Challenged. Hopefully not too challenged. <laughs> well, Tracy, I really appreciate us finally getting this one scheduled. We had to shuffle around a bunch of things, both in your end and in my end, and we pulled it off. It's crazy. huh? Yeah. Congrats on the new gig, by the way, too. Thank you. You're welcome. Hopefully I'll see you around there this summer. Yeah, we'll be, I, well, yeah, I'll be, it's, it's a lot of remote work, which is good. Cause I can't leave 
where I live too many times because I do have two daughters that I have to make sure I keep track of. Yeah. But there will be traveling, sounds like at least one week a month. And so we'll see where that takes me. And other than that, there's a lot of Min- lot of Minnesota riding that I need to explore. And I think we both need to need to explore, it sounds like, because there's just the options are endless and they're just getting better. So there'll be more places to explore. Yeah, there really are. There's a lot to to ride in Minnesota, Wisconsin, you know? Yeah. Even Winona, Minnesota is getting gonna get trails this more new trails this year. Right. You know, with a partnership between the city Winona and Imba and Rock Solid. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. We do have a lot of great trails. Feel pretty lucky about that. Well, Tracy, you go ride Moab. Thank you. I will. And enjoy your time. Thank you. So great connecting. Sounds good. Enjoy your day. Thank you for listening. Later this week, we'll be dropping another episode featuring Dustin Schultz of Dirt Peddler a youth-based mountain bike organization based out of the greater Minneapolis-St. Paul area. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Fact Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. If you listen to Trail Fact on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please don't forget to leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Fact Podcast. Also, don't forget to check out Cooley Creative at www.dojustsendit.com. For additional ways to help support the Trail Effect podcast, check out the affiliate links tab on the Trail Effect website, where you'll find links to Cattle Mountain Apparel, Worldwide Cyclery, Trail One Components, and now 230 USA. By using the affiliate links found at www.traileffectpodcast.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which helps keep this thing going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening.